Alrighty, good morning to each one of you. Alright, we're working our way through the book of James. We're at James chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. Make sure you have a copy of the scripture there. I got it divided up for you. And uh, the title of this lesson today is The Conflicted Person and Prayer. The Conflicted Person and Prayer. A while back, you might remember me preaching on the subject that we are conflicted people, right? And uh, so this is going to deal with some of that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time and ask God's blessings upon this. Heavenly Father, as we come to you, we ask, dear Lord, for forgiveness of sin. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd open our understanding that we might understand the scriptures. And Father, we pray now that you'd just bless this time that we have. And dear God, we thank you for it. Thank you so much, Lord, for times when we can sit down and learn the word of God. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right, James chapter 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? So, I've got me a note right there as it's printed in red. The cause of the conflict. The cause of the conflict. Even your lust that war in your members. That's the cause of the conflict. Buddy, we're fighting with ourselves, aren't we? Man, we're fighting, I'm telling you. All right. And this war that happens on the inside of us. I want to show you something today. As we look at two passages of Scripture that I've got printed underneath it there, Romans 7, 23 and Galatians 5, 17. I want to show you something about yourself here. Something about us humans, if you please. Romans 7, 23, it says, But I say another law, I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So the fr- I want you to see this, the body, the flesh, But I see another law in my members. There's something inside of us warring against the law of my mind. So the body, this flesh, wars against the mind. Uh, I'm sure all of you adults have struggled with that for sure. I mean, you, you have something in your mind and you say, boy, the body says... You know, shoot the neighbor's cat. And, uh, you know, in your mind you're thinking, no, I really don't need to do that. I'll just feed him to Fido or something, you know. And I mean, you fight with yourself. And uh, that's what that's talking about. I, I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. And uh, we fight with ourselves right and wrong at times, don't we? That's right, this is wrong, that's right, no, don't do it, do it, don't do it. And we find ourselves in this war, don't we? And what a situation it is with us. 
And so the first thing I want you to see is the body, this flesh, warring against the mind. So we have a conflict between our body and our mind. This flesh and our mind. As saved people, we surely do. And so, now watch Galatians 5, 17. This is interesting. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, that's a capital S, they're talking about the Holy Spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Wow. So now we see the body, this flesh, warring against the Holy Spirit. And we find ourselves in such a fight. We, we can't even do the things that we would. And um, so as I looked at this, I thought about, you know, the cause of the conflict. We are definitely a conflicted people, aren't we? I mean, we're always evaluating right and wrong. Do this, do that, don't do this. And, you know, then we, then we do something. And lo and behold, what do we do? We open mouth and insert feet and all kinds of stuff, you see. And uh, we're a conflicted people, aren't we? And when I look at this, I realize it's tragic. But boy, this old flesh, it's going to fight against our mind. And just think about this now. The Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2, doesn't it? So what we find then, as saved people, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then this old wicked flesh that we live in starts fighting with that renewal. Starts fighting with us. And uh, like I've told you all many times before, prior to me being saved, prior to God saving me, I didn't fight with myself. Never did. If I wanted to cuss you, I just cussed you. If I wanted to fight with you, I just fought with you. That's all there was to it. You know, if I didn't like you, I just told you so. I knew I was I was not a conflicted person. And then God got to messing with me. And then God saved me. And wow, I'd open my mouth and hear myself. And I mean, it was just I was in a fight. I was thinking, what the world's happening to me? But that's what God does. You see, this flesh fights with that renewed mind, doesn't it? And so I want you to start off. The cause of this conflict is this flesh. And then you get saved. And God saves you, gives you a new mind, new way of thinking. And this flesh says, no, 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 absolutely not, no. No, no, you can't, can't do that. Can't do that. And the mind says, yes, I can. That's what I'm supposed to do. No, 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 no. So here we go. What a mess, huh? So I know this about you because I know this about me. And if it's happening to me, it's happening to you. And if it's happening to me and you, it's happening to all of us, isn't it? So the word of God is true, isn't it? You see, we're a conflicted 
people. That's why it's so important for us to dedicate ourselves to God and leave it there. All right, verse 2. Watch this. James 4, 2. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Now, I, I put a note down here beside that verse. I put this note. A conflicted person does everything but the right thing. A conflicted person does everything but the right thing. If you're not influenced by the Spirit of God, you're going to do the wrong thing. Notice, I put it in red for you. Ye lust, ye kill, ye fight, ye have not. Uh, what a mess, huh? I mean, that's terrible. But that's us, isn't it? Ye, 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 ye. But then it said, because ye ask not. Ye have not, because ye ask not. You see, isn't it a strange thing that conflicted people have a hard time believing? And this verse 2, I started to just speak on that this morning and not go any further. Because what you have here, you, you, because you ask not. The simplicity of asking and believing is almost unbelievable to a conflicted person. Just think of the simplicity of asking in relationship. Ye lust, boy, that, that, that's the inside of you. Ye kill, boy, that's bad. Ye fight in war, my goodness. And then it says ye have not because ye ask not. Now just think. If you would have taken the time to ask, You wouldn't, you could have fought with your lust. You wouldn't have been out killing. And you wouldn't have been out fighting and warring. If you'd have just asked. Just think about that. I mean, I kept looking at that verse thinking, Lord, help me. What am I missing here? And the Lord said, well, just look at it. The simplicity of asking. You see, and then, you see, <clears throat> conflicted people have a terrible time with faith. Conflicted people have a terrible time believing. That's why they want to do something. That's why they are lusting and they are killing and they are fighting and warring. You see, because they look at the simplicity of asking and say, I don't work. I'm not going to do that. That's too simple. If I want it, I got to get out here and get it. And uh, so know this. Reverse this verse. 
It said, because you ask not. Well, what happened if I don't ask? Well, my lust is going to control me. I'm, I'm going to be a murderer you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war. Wow. I've got me a list of things. But I want to show you one thing right before I move to verse 3. Let's talk about the character and the motivation of this conflicted person in verse 2. The character of this person is a person that is controlled by his lust. The character of this person is dangerous. He'll kill you. The character of this person, he's willing to go to war and fight against everybody and everything just to get what he wants. When all he had to do was ask. So it's a tragic thing, isn't it? So I would like to admonish each one of you Go to God in prayer. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Go to God in prayer first. You don't have to have a a immoral, wicked, contentious spirit about yourself. You have not. Because you ask not. Now go to verse 3. Let's learn something here. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. A man was telling me about a preacher that he knew that had been in the ministry quite a long time and then he saw him one day and the guy had quit the ministry, got him a good job somewhere doing something else. And uh, he said, man, what, what? He said, well, he said, this stuff about prayer. He said, I prayed and it didn't work. And, uh, and I'd done this and it didn't work. And I thought to myself, what a shame. Here this guy was supposed to have been a preacher and didn't know the word of God. If it didn't work, He forgot to take a close look at himself. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. The motive for prayer was wrong. The motive for prayer was just simply for you, not for the glory of God. And remember, prayer must be for the glory of God. God, we ask God for things and to help us, to heal us, to give us wisdom. And we ask God for that. But God knows we're just asking it for us or we're going to ask so we can give him praise and glory and honor for it. You see, the motive for our prayer must be, God, you do this, I'm going to praise you for it like David did in the, in the congregation. Do we ask with it in our minds to praise God for it? Psalm 1841, 
They cried, but there was none to save them, even unto the Lord. But he answered them not. Proverbs 1, 27 to 30. Let's look at this one. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Now here's why. For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Now listen. Double-mindedness is a dangerous thing. The Bible says the double-minded man, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. I want you to notice something here. These people, you're looking at here in Proverbs 1, 27 to 30, notice this. Verse 27, when your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then shall ye call upon me. See that? But now listen. God is not just a fire insurance policy. Notice this. Verse 29. For that they hated knowledge, did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would not of my counsel, they despised my proof. That's how they thought of God. That's how they treated God. That's how they respected God. But yet, when they needed help, they were going to call on God. So you see, that's a perfect example of double-minded people. I'm not going to listen to his word. I'm not going to listen to the word preached. I'm not going to listen to the man of God, the people of God. I'm not going to listen to the spirit of God. I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm not going to take the counsel of God. Nothing. But now when I get in trouble, I'm going to call on God and I want him to help me out. Uh... You're not going to get no help from God whatsoever. None. Just like those people. For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Wow. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. The double-minded man will receive nothing and those that pray amiss will receive nothing of the Lord. Is uh, we've got to realize he's God, he's alive, he has emotions and feelings, and when we offend God, and we can do that, when we offend God, we better know something. 
when times of distress and anguish come. And the only thing you've done is offend God in your life. And you want to turn around and call on God? I think you better give that another thought. Why should God help you when you've thought so little of Him all this other time? And so, this is another verse. I had to quit. I, I, kept, I kept thinking, wow, I've got a lot here on this. Let's, let's do three things here real quick, okay? First of all, I'm going to take you through this real quick. I want you to look at verse 29. And we're going to look at just three things. For that they hated knowledge. Now, uh, we could go through the Word of God and find out there's a whole lot of people that didn't like the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God reveals to us what we really are. The knowledge of God reveals to us sin and righteousness. The knowledge of God will offend us as well as help us and guide us, encourage us and strengthen us. But they hated knowledge. They did not want the knowledge of God. Why? Because it's going to reprove them. And that's what it says down in verse 30. They despised all my reproof. Well, that's what knowledge does. You see, ladies and gentlemen, if there's anything for us not to hate, it's the knowledge of God. But these people hated that knowledge. And did not choose the fear of the Lord. Well... The more knowledge you have of God, the more fear you're going to have of God. And these people, they hated that knowledge. They liked their sin. They liked their life. They liked their so-called freedom to sin. They was not going to have any fear of God. And the best way to do that is don't know anything about God. The less you know about God, the less you fear Him. Boy, does that apply to a lot of stuff in life, doesn't it? I mean, I've watched folks that didn't know stuff about electricity messing around with electricity. And I thought if you knew what you were doing, you wouldn't be doing that. I watched a guy standing in a mud puddle outside of his house redoing his electric box. And I thought, I thought to myself, if you, just, if you just touch the wrong thing, buddy, you're electrocuted. I, I've watched people do all kinds of things. And, uh, you know, knowledge speaks volumes to us. All right? That's one. Second thing is this. And did not choose the fear of the Lord. Now, I want you to see that. Did not choose the fear of the Lord. 
They hated the knowledge, so they're not going to, they've made their mind up, I'm not going to fear God. I am not going to fear God. Boy, that's a stupid thing, isn't it? Not to fear God? Wow. The third thing is there in verse 30, they would none of my counsel. In other words, they despised God's reproof. They would none of my counsel. God was trying to tell them how to live. I, I mean, the Bible is the rule book for life. The Bible is the operator's manual with this thing that God built. And uh, they wouldn't take any counsel from God. Wow. They were not going to ask God about marriage, about life, about children, about work, nothing. But they had it all figured out. But they figured it out wrong. You know that? They had it all figured out, but they figured it out wrong. Listen, you can't live to yourself apart from God and think God's going to hear your prayer. You cannot despise the, and hate the knowledge of God and expect God to recognize you as worthy of being listened to. Go to verse 4 real quick. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Whoa. I've got a lot on this. Mercy. Let's just start off like this. The red part says, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? That word enmity means hostility and or hatred for. And uh, know ye not that the friendship of the world, in other words, you're having this association with the world, your desires toward the world. And that is enmity. That's hostility and hatred for God. Now, I want to show you something. People don't realize many times that what they say manifests volumes about where they are at spiritually. So let's take a look at this. I want, I want to show you something here. I want to show you something and never forget it. I want to show you what a lost person looks like. A religious lost person. Okay? Here we go. Whosoever 
That's man, woman, boy or girl. Okay? Therefore will be a friend. Now that word friend means actively associating with. All right? Let me give you an example. I've got a lot of examples. I should pick one. I knew a fellow that got involved in a worldly organization. It's just of the world. And uh, he got so involved in that that when, when they started having stuff on Sunday, he chose that rather than church. And just to show you how blind he was, I asked him, I said, well, I said, you're not coming to church? He said, well, I can't. I, I've made a commitment to, to them. To, 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 I said, is that right? I said, so what you're telling me is you never made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I did too. I said, oh, so their commitment is a lot more important than your commitment to the Lord then. And, uh, oh, he got mad. He got bent out of shape. And uh, he said, next thing you know, you're going to tell me I'm not saved. I said, I don't have to tell you. I said, you just said it. I said, you just manifested to me what you really believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. You've relegated him to something else. Now watch this. See the little words, is the, right there in that verse. Whoso therefore will be a friend of the world is the. That, that, those words, is the, it means to place permanently. All right. Those Greek words that sit there in front of that means to place permanently. The friend of the world is the, you know, that is the handle, that is the tractor, that is the snake, that is the dog. See that? Is the. It means to place permanently. Then it says enemy of God, enemy. Now, the word enemy means as a hateful, hostile adversary of God. And uh, we looked up at the top where it says enmity. It means hostility and hatred for God. So here we have this will be a friend. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend. In other words, an active, actively associating with the world is the... That's to be permanently placed as an enemy of God. Enemy as a hateful, hostile adversary of God. Now I've learned something over the years. I had not learned a whole lot, but I've learned something. That when you pin people down like this, they deny every bit of it. I don't hate God. Uh, you don't. 
All your actions reveal you do. God's opinion of your actions is this. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to see things as God sees things, not as we see things. When we start looking at ourselves as God sees us, if you really want to know the truth about something, start praying, God, show me me. Now, when you start praying like that, if God comes up one day and shows you, you, you're not going to like what you see. The Word of God says, Whosoever therefore will be a friend, in other words, actively associating with the world, is the permanent that person will be permanently placed as an enemy of God, as a hateful, hostile adversary of God. Woo! Now that ought to rattle the chain some. But that's what it is. That's just the truth of it. That's what the Word of God says. You see that? That's why, boy, we are, I heard a fabulous message this morning, about 5, 5.30 this morning, uh, of an old guy preaching on the family. And he was talking about raising children with God consciousness. And uh, my word, the old guy was so reasonable in what he was doing. Uh, he said, we need to take that scripture where it said, be ready to give an answer, right? He said, parents need to be ready to give an answer. He said, my dad had an answer for everything. Dad, why do we use this Bible? He said, my dad sat me down and explained to me. Dad, why do we do this? My dad sat me down and explained to me. Dad, why are you going to whip me? He said, he sat me down and explained to me. <laughs> what a reality. Look at the next verse here under this fourth verse. John 15, 18 and 19. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. The cause of our conflict with the world is the fact that Jesus said, I have chosen you out of of the world. See that? So one of the reasons and one of the purposes of our conflict is the fact that you've been chosen out of the world. And so that's a sign of salvation. That's a sign, boy, when you begin to have conflict 
with the world that's a manifestation of your salvation. So what a verse. You're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. The cause of the conflict, the cause of your conflict with the world is the fact that God has chosen you out of the world. So listen. Accept the conflict. That's what chosen people do. They accept the conflict. We've got to understand that. Look at John 17, 14. I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. That little word not is the word ooh, O-U. Remember there's two types of word for no or not and that's ooh and may. May means maybe. Ooh means absolutely not. Okay? And so even as I am not of the world, in other words, absolutely not. This is a statement of fact. Your citizenship is not here. Boy, that goes right along with Hebrews, doesn't it? Your citizenship is not here. I have given them thy word. The world hath hated them because they are not of the world. We sing that song, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. That's truth. That's a scriptural song, you see. And so as God gives us that, these things are a statement of fact for the saved person. 1 John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And that's the word ooh. In other words, absolutely not in him. So watch this now. As I bring this to a close, 1 John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father, or that means the love for the Father, all right, is not in him. Absolutely not in him. You see, it's kind of like this. What you do speaks so loud, I can't hear you talking. Get it? What you do, speak so loud, I can't hear you talking. And so if any man love the world, the love of the Father is absolutely not in him. In other words, like it says in Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters. Either he'll love the one and hate the other or vice versa. And so what we find here in these four verses we find that, boy, we were conflicted people. We find that a conflicted person, when they go to prayer, is not going to receive anything of God. We realize that the world, boy, is going to manifest itself to us, and we're going to say, all right, I belong to God. Then the world's going to say, 
Alright, I'm going to cause trouble in your life. I'm going to fight with you. That flesh is going to fight with your mind. Everything's going to fight with you. You'll wrestle with the Holy Spirit. The world's going to hate you. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, the reality of it is this. As I bring this to a close, it's impossible for God's chosen children to get along with this world. I mean, we can have our times, good times with it, things like that. But overall, we're going to fight with it. We're going to fight with ourselves and every worldly thing around us. Why? Because the world hates God. And if you're saved, you've been chosen out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. That's what the Bible says. Stop trying to get along with the world. The Word of God declares it's impossible. Let's all stand and go to the Lord in prayer.